Billy D. Williams is the man. A killer's loose on his streets. You want to tell me about the little girl who got hurt last night? And they're the next targets. He's got a city full of suspects. So you're tough. And the heat's on in Fear City. You've got 24 hours. Tom Berenger and Billy D. Williams in Fear City. Hello, everyone. Uh, you're listening to Bad Meaning Bad, Bad Meaning Good episode. I'm your host, Jay, and joining me for this is Shara. Um, we're going to be talking about Fear City. How you doing, Shara? I am doing okay. I survived this movie, so. <laughs> oh, well, like, well, like I said, before we, before we started recording, I, I, I want to apologize <laughs> for this but i'm glad you decided to come on this um crazy journey i guess because i mean we're going to talk about it but this movie i don't i don't think this movie knew exactly what it wanted to be so it's something <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's definitely something um uh like i said we're getting we're we're going to be talking about fear city which came out in 1984, which, yeah. And this is kind of showing New York <laughs> back when it was, like, really bad, you know, since. Um, so before we actually get into talking about this movie, um, this was your first time seeing this, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, well, I, I double apologize there. So, um... <laughs> So, um, this movie was directed by Abel Ferreira, who's probably best known for King of New York and the original Bad Lieutenant movie. So, that, that kind of lets you know, like, eh, what kind of movie this is, if you've seen either of those movies. Um, right off the bat, uh, this cast, um... What, what, what do you think about this cast? Because it's an interesting group of actors that they got together for this movie. Yeah, it's a bunch of people that I would have never expected to be in the same movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, so... we Okay, you got Tom Berenger, who plays Matt. Um, Jack Scalia as Nikki. Billy D. Williams <laughs> as the angry cop that's trying to solve everything that's going on um melanie griffin it's like i don't think i've ever seen her in a movie quite like this i didn't even recognize her at first <laughs> well i mean i mean if you if you see her now and you see her back then it's like it almost looked like two different people but i mean yeah um I would say this: the biggest shocker of this entire cast of me was Ray Don Chong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then I mean I can't continue on without mentioning probably one of my favorite character actors, um, the guy who played Frank Pantangeli in The Godfather Part Two, <laughs> um, what's his name, Michael V. Garza, 
who basically is playing Frank Fantangeli in this movie, just a sleazier version. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, this cast is it's just it's just interesting. Like, like you said, how it's very random because yeah, you wouldn't see these people in a movie together at all again. Ever. Um, but I did want to mention one of the actors, uh, Jack Scalia. Now, for anyone who might have been like, oh, well, who is that? He basically was supposed to be like the next man up in a sense. You know, he, he was on because he was on Dallas, uh, you know, doing his run, you know, and Dallas was a huge show. So he basically was, I guess, like supposed to be like a next man up. And I always felt like he looked kind of sort of like a warren Beatty ish and i think that's what kind of was pushing him along for a while until they realized like yeah you just don't have it but um him in this movie and like i said we're gonna get into talking about it but i don't know uh are you familiar with jack scalia at all because i remember watching him on an old tv show like in the 90s that's why i knew him from but yeah like i remember seeing him in a lot of stuff but like never really following his career all that closely. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to remember the show that that he was on. Like I said, I remember seeing it. It was in the nineties. Uh, he was in like because wasn't he in one of those? Um, I think it was one of those soap operas, one of the like the nighttime ones. Wait, yeah, um, he was on All My Children. He was on that one. But it was, okay, so it was one of the daytime ones, yeah. It was, it was, and so what was that? Remington Steel. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was in that. He was he in? Wasn't he on Dallas too? Yes, he was on Dallas also. Yeah, yeah he was on a few episodes of Remington Steel. So, like I said, he had a decent run. They, like I said, they were trying to push him for a while, like. Yeah, this is the next movie star or star, but he just didn't quite have it, which a lot of people who came along in the 80s kind of ran into that when they got to the 90s. So, um, <clears throat> so this movie, um, <laughs> if you notice, I keep saying this movie because <laughs> it, it, it's a movie. It's travesty. Uh, yeah. Um, it pretty much represented what how New York was back at this time, <laughs> and just but I will say this: it it did like add to the atmosphere of the movie at certain at certain points. I don't, I don't know if you kind of picked up on that. Like it did kind of add because you know basically what the movie is dealing with is you have this this guy who's a psycho killer. And he's basically stalking these strippers who also moonlight as prostitutes, basically. Um, he stalks them and then he basically attacks them, you know, and and everything. Um, just how did you feel about this plot? Well, somewhat of a plot, especially dealing with this killer. It was a very loose plot. <laughs> like like we know there's a killer, but you never really find out what his motivation behind this was. No, <laughs> not not at all. And and I think that's one of the things that kind of 
bothered me about this movie because this is this was actually my second time watching it because i okay i found out about this movie randomly because of a instagram reel that that like shows the trailer for and i was like wait a minute what is this the hell is this? I'm like Tom Berger, Billy D. Williams. I think it was more so because I saw Billy D. Williams. I was like, what the hell is this with him? And, and this okay, this looks kind of interesting. So let me see if I can find it. And um, where where exactly did you watch it on? I watched it on uh, Pluto. Okay, yeah. Um, I found it on uh, Shout Factory because I actually have this streaming. Um, so I found it on there, and that's why I watched it. But yeah, I was like, because I had never heard of this movie. But like, I said, if you see the trailer, it it is an interesting trailer. It kind of lures you in because it's like, okay, what is this? And like I say, when you see familiar faces, it kind of draws you in. But then when you start watching the movie, it's like, eh, I can see why I never heard about this movie. Um, so the movie opens with this um this dance number. <laughs> with uh Melly Griffin. And she basically have these men in this club in a damn blender. <laughs> and it's like it's like, wait a minute, like what am I watching right now? And I, I would suggest to anybody, if you're watching it and you have kids or anything like that, make sure they're not around <laughs> watching this. Because you know, just imagine being a kid. You watch this movie, and you know you're watching it, and it's always on a part where somebody just talking and everything. But soon as like a parent or somebody come in, it's in a scene like this with Melody Griffin dancing. You know, like what are you watching? You know, type of thing. But um, yeah, she she does this dance number, and I mean, it's not the greatest dance number, but it's 1984. She's a tall blonde white woman, so. Yeah, people losing their goddamn minds, I guess. But, you know. The rhythm does not exist in this club. <laughs> well, I think they was all high on cocaine anyway, so <laughs> they was all floating anyway. So, yeah. Um. So while she's pretty much doing this dance number, that's what we're introduced to Matt and Nikki, who I'm going to refer to as the pimp and the gangster because <laughs> that's basically what they look like, right? <laughs> You know, Nikki, he got on this nice suit and everything. He's basically more of a pimp. And Nikki, I mean, uh, Matt, he looked like he was sparring with Rocky somewhere, you know, leather jacket and all this. And we find out that, you know, before the events of the movie, Matt and um, Melanie Griffin's character, Loretta, they had a thing. And he basically, I guess, is still like, down bad because of her or something that's the that's the impression i got i don't know how you feel about that yeah yeah he seemed like he was a little a little obsessed you know and, and i think that's what um one of one of them said i, I can't remember if it was nikki that said it or if it was a uh, frank pantangeli that said like he's obsessed he's still obsessed with this woman and i mean i i guess i can see why like i say she's tall blonde you know whatever but i mean if it was me i would just be like eh, it is what it is there's more women in the sea right but um yeah he, he still had feelings or something so um let's say we get kind of an introduction of them because the movie isn't really 
set up in a way to where you fully understand what's going on until you realize when Nikki and Matt showed up, you know, they kind of meeting and greeting some people outside. And I'm always surprised the fact that Ola Ray, who's probably best known for being in the thriller video with Michael Jackson, she's one of the girls who greets them as she's leaving their come, you know, she's leaving their coming in. She leaves. And it's like, ah, well, we'll never see her again. Well, we wrong. Because we find her walking down, you know, a dark alley or something, but she don't have Michael Jackson with her. And you know, she gets attacked by the by the uh, by the killer. And I want to ask you, do you think this movie made a mistake by like us as the audience seeing who the killer is right off the bat? Yeah, that was a weird stylistic choice for me. But then we never find out what his motivation is anyway. So I guess it doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe maybe because when I watch this movie, I, I see like this movie had potential to be better than what it actually is. And I kind of went into, well, you know, if they did this or if they did that, I kind of went to that mode. So... Because I have this theory um, that I feel like at some point during the writing process, Matt was supposed to be looked at as a prime suspect. Yeah. So maybe if they would have kept the, you know, the, the killer's identity anonymous to a point, it would make sense that maybe it could be Matt because he has the the tendency, you know, that he could potentially be the killer. Yeah, it definitely felt like they cut quite a lot out of it and that kind of changed the plot. Yeah. A lot of holes. It feels like they cut some scenes somewhere. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like there's two different movies here that we're watching. (laughs) We're, We're watching... A movie about a, you know, a killer that's terrorizing the city. And then we're watching like a, like a, I want to say almost like a a drama because you got this whole relationship thing that's going on that that we're, we're going to get into because I have some thoughts about that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ola Ray, she gets attacked and... She's the first victim. So it makes me wonder, was this his first time doing this? Because he doesn't kill her. He just attacks her, chops off a couple of her fingers, but she lives. So it's like, was she the first time he, you know, he's like, ah, you know what? I'm going to go out and attack somebody. You know? That's what it feels like. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we, we meet, like, pretty much all the main characters and everything but I'm, I'm gonna put it out there right now that this might be the best acting i've ever seen ray don chong do in a movie because i actually enjoyed her character in this i don't know about you but i, I did yeah I, I could see that i could see how <laughs> yeah no because she i mean okay so for, for everyone who's listening so she we find out that her character and Loretta 
they basically are a couple. So it's like, okay, did did Loretta leave Matt for her, or did they just kind of you know drift towards each other at some point? We never fully you know told like the whole backstory of that, but we know that they are in a relationship, and it just. I don't know. It's like Ray Dunshaw. I don't know. Maybe because this was one of her earlier roles, so she was still like, "Yeah, I'm really gonna put my all into this," and she really did. And she has like a a confidence, like like I, I've never seen her in any of her other roles or anything. So I, I give her credit for this uh, with that um, and everything. Just how she seemed to be the one who. I want to say it kind of keeps Loretta, you know, at bay because later in the movie when when she's taken out, it's like, yeah, Loretta pretty much falls off the deep end. So, yeah, Loretta was lolling. <laughs> yeah, yes, I mean, no <laughs> uh, <For your> reason. <laughs> I, I mean, but uh, okay. Okay, let's okay, let's let's talk about that for a second. So, I mean, we're gonna we're kinda gonna jump around with this because I, I didn't think we should come on here and talk about this movie like straight because yeah, it would be kind of madness to do that. But um Ray Don Chom, she is actually victim number two. And I actually had a flashback to when she gets attacked on that subway. Because I've told Jeff this story and, and people have probably heard it on my other podcast about when I went to New York. Ironically, yeah, me in New York because uh, I went to WrestleMania 35 in New York and it's a whole bunch of horror stories about transportation and stuff that went on. But I messed around and got on the wrong train going back to where I was staying and I got off at the wrong... No, I didn't, not the wrong train, but the wrong stop. I got off at the wrong stop. And it was one of those underground stops. And I mean, it was some of the most sketchiest people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I really did like for a second thing, like if I died down here, nobody would know what happened to me. You know, type of thing. So seeing her down on that subway waiting for that train and then the dude popping up out of nowhere and then he attacks her. It kind of it kind of gave me flashbacks to that a little bit. Um and everything. Fortunately, of course, I you know, I, I survived New York. Oh, thankfully. Um, and everything. But yeah. So she gets attacked. And this train literally comes by with her laying there on the ground. It's like, did did these people not see this woman laying there? Or it was just like, eh, it's New York. It is what it is. You know. And that tracks for New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was there for a week and just some of the stuff I saw. I was like, yeah, the movies are never far off with certain stuff when it comes to stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so she she gets attacked, and again, she actually she survives, but she's like in a coma basically. So it's almost like the killer with each kill, he's getting more, I guess, violent with his attacks. At least that's what the movie is trying to tell us, I guess. So. Yeah, it's like he's gaining more more confidence. Like it's almost like he's working his way up to actually just flat out murdering someone. I, I guess, but then we I mean he 
I don't know who this actor is that plays the killer, but they they had him doing too much as far as like why is he practicing, you know, butt naked in whatever a lawful apartment, wherever the hell he's staying. And it's like it's like what is your motivation, dude? Like, is a is a dog talking to you at least, you know, or something like that? Give give us something. Just he just woke up and I'm gonna start killing people. <laughs> and he keeps a diary? Like, really? Like what? There's a lot that goes unexplained about him. Like, okay, were, were you abused as a child or something? Like, give us something. You know, be, and, and, and that's why I, I mentioned that about Matt potentially being, you know, the killer. Because he has a backstory of dealing with trauma. You know, because we find out, you know, he was a boxer. He killed a dude in the ring. And even... Cause that's him as a I think that flashback scene is him as a child when the two dudes you know are sitting there he's about to shine his shoes and then the gangsters they pull up and gun them down and he's right there he witnesses this so he has a history of dealing with traumatic stuff so if his mind just snapped it would have made sense right yeah yeah, that's where I would have thought they were going if they hadn't shown the killer in the first six minutes. Yeah, like, as soon as, I mean, Ola Ray, she gets attacked and, boop, there he is. It's like, okay, that's that's the guy. And, and like I say, then we get these training montages with him and all this. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you doing? But, um, so, so, okay, so they basically use a fake talent agency to basically filter their girls you know because they're strippers slash prostitutes basically and it's okay it was just funny seeing them in this office where they got two desks facing each other and you got these girls sitting around them they on the phone making all these calls and it's like what it's like this, this is basically how they how you run a business i guess it, no type of no type of discretion, no secrecy at all. It's just, all right, we got a bunch of girls here. And this, this is a talent agency, quote unquote. And they're fussing about, you know, the different spots that they, you know, supposed to go to. And and it was funny seeing uh, Maria Conchita Alonza as as Silva. <laughs> like, what, what is she doing here? Like, wait a minute. Another like, unexpected casting choice. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, it's funny how she okay she went from from this I think the next time she I see her in a, she's in a movie is, in the eighties has to be like uh, the Running Man and uh, Colors so it's like Jesus like what are you what are you doing here and she of course just being a Spitfire and you know talking trash and everything like that and I guess that's why she ended up being <laughs> a victim as well. <laughs> And ironically enough, she's she's the first one that he actually outright kills. So she's third victim. And yeah, he you know, she he just kills her. No, no, oh I'm just gonna, you know, cut off some fingers or I'm gonna, you know, mutilate you up or you know, and everything. No, just flat out, yeah, you're dead. So he got her out of the paint, basically. 
so um we have to talk about probably the 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 true MVP of this movie. And I'm talking about one Billy D. Williams. Um just your your thoughts about him in this movie. I'm down for anything that Billy D. Williams is in. <laughs> Just on principle. <laughs> so. But I mean, this man is fed up in it. He's fed up from the moment he walks on camera. Like, I ain't got time for this. You know? Like, like he comes in hot. <laughs> and 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 he's racist. Which is ironic. A, a black cop in New York. And he's racist. Right. Like, what? Like, all right. I mean, you never really seen that before in a movie. It's usually the other way around, but yeah, he he just giving it to them, and I feel like, like I say, don't don't hold me on this, but I feel like Tim Burton probably saw his performance in this and said, you know what, you would make a great Harvey Dent in Batman, <laughs> because I feel like seeing him. In this movie, he's almost like Harvey did, just a more amped up version. Yeah. So, and I feel and you know what? With I mean, with the new Batman coming out and everything, I do feel like Billy D. Williams was robbed of playing Two Face because he was supposed to be Two Face. You know, that was the whole thing. He was con- he had the contract. You know, with the intent to come back. And he was gonna be Harvey Two Face, but some way, somehow, they mysteriously forgot about that. And Tommy Lee Jones played Two Face, so yeah. But I feel like there's a universe out there with Billy D. Williams as Harvey Two Face. So, but yeah, he um he 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 just was no nonsense in this movie, and he has this thing against Matt. So once again. It felt like okay, the original like like we discussed the original plot for this movie was supposed to be like maybe Matt is a suspect of being the killer because why would Billy D Williams care to have like this animosity towards him? Yeah, it's the way they left it. They they don't explain why he has an in for Matt like so. Yeah, I mean, did, did he have money on that on that fight? Did he bet on the other guy, and the dude got killed? So like this son of a, you know, you know, he just just pissed with him or something. I don't. It's it's a lot of holes in this movie. Yeah, like, can you tell us why you're mad? <laughs> well, I, I need mean, to know. I mean, he is a cop in New York, so well, it, it didn't take much, I guess. There's that. <laughs> it did not take much. So, um, okay. So this whole thing with with Matt and Loretta. So after Ray Donchon, she gets killed. Well, she didn't get killed. She ends up in a coma. Loretta seems to drift back towards Matt, and I always felt like, did she? Did she do that because she was in love with him, or did she do it because, oh shit, my girlfriend got attacked? Maybe I need to have a man around me. You know, how how do you feel about that? It 
Loretta is just all over the place, so it's hard to know what her motivation is in this. Well, yeah. Your girlfriend almost dies, but you go running back to the ex-boyfriend. <laughs> but, but keep in mind, so originally she, uh, Ray Don Chong is just in a coma, and I will say this, probably the saddest scene in this movie is when Loretta is in the hospital. She's walking down the hall. She's like, like, um, not even a minute away from entering the room. And you see where like the doctors and everything is rushing past her and they're running into her room. And she comes around the corner, basically where she literally died, like right before she got there. And she has to stand there and watch as they're trying to revive her. And it's like, yeah, it's like, damn, it's like, really? Like, she couldn't even say like a true goodbye to her. So I, I will say, I will give the movie that it, it has moments of where it had the potential to be a really good movie, but <laughs> it, what we, the totality of the movie kind of, eh, you know, it kind of goes all over the place. But I, I did feel sad about that scene. Like, damn, she, she didn't even get to say a true goodbye. She had to literally watch as, yeah, she's dead. And then they cover up and it's like, ugh, damn. But this is where Loretta decides to spew off into madness because we find out good old Loretta has a drug problem. And I guess it's her coping mechanism of her dealing with everything because she goes to see her drug dealer and next thing you know, she just laid out on the couch face down <laughs> and she goes missing for like a good chunk of the movie <laughs> like <laughs> what like yeah loretta what? just went straight off the rails there <laughs> like, wait, like wait a minute you're supposed to be you're supposed to be one of the like the main characters but which are going to take you out of the movie it, it makes me wonder was she filming another movie at the same time and they had to find a way to get her out of the movie or something you have to work with the schedule <laughs> I, I guess cause, I mean but we've seen movies like that where someone's supposed to be like a main character they go missing for like a big chunk and then they randomly come back into the movie like okay where the hell were you but alright but so um so yeah so Melly Griffin like she she just extremely down bad um so this whole thing of where Matt Nikki and some of the other I guess uh pimps that's what I'm gonna call them basically um because they're scared for their girls all over town because the killer he actually attacked some random who's not even like wasn't even one of uh matt or nikki girls he he just attacked some random girl in central park which was one of the other pimps girls with some nunchucks which is like what the hell are you running around in, <laughs> in the damn park for you just pop out with some nunchucks and just beat this girl and everything so they basically have a meeting like you know what we're going to put our differences aside. We need to basically have a co-op, you know, like, like this, the wire or something. We got to have a co-op and, you know, we got to get more protection for our women, the clubs and the owners, they need to put more protection out, you know, 
because this is bad for business and we need to find this dude oh and everything so just how do you feel about like all of that with let's say these random dudes because we never see them again after that scene where they have like these little meetings we never really see them again i think where did they come from in the first place (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe there was a subplot that was cut out with them who knows i don't know so it's yeah like i say it was weird and and also too frank pantangeli in this movie I, I really don't understand why he was actually in the movie because he actually serves no purpose to the movie at all. He he just shows up, you know, just rambling. It's basically like how he is in The Godfather 2, you know, just rambling and, and just upset and everything. But he never... If you took his character out of this movie, the movie doesn't change at all. So... Yeah, but I mean, but it's always funny to see him like in a movie because it's like, yeah, he's still he's playing a different version of Frank Pantangeli, basically. Oh, I feel like that's always his character and everything. It just, it just, <laughs> at least in this movie, he wasn't drinking out of a water hose. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, he he wasn't drunk just drinking out water, just yelling and stuff like that. But yeah, um, but he is always a, a pleasure, even though he was. Re- even though he was running around in a damn yellow suit, which is like, the hell is that? But all right. Um, so Billy D. Williams' character, he he begins to actually suspect that Matt might actually be the killer. And that's why I, I kind of go with that whole thing of where it's like we're watching two different movies and and everything. It's like we're going with that, but you can't suspect that he's the killer when you've already shown the audience who the real serial killer is. At least I, that's how I feel about it. I, yeah. I, you know, but yeah, he starts to suspect Matt and Matt isn't doing himself any favors because he, okay. Why does he turn into like a damn, like a damn vigilante? He starts roaming the streets like he's going to look for whoever the killer is. And we get these shots of him just walking the streets with his fist all balled up. And it's like, like, what are you doing? Like, like what the hell is happening here? But but that kind of goes nowhere in a sense. So I, I don't know. Um, And if you notice, we haven't been talking about Nikki because. He kind of goes missing for a chunk of this movie too. <laughs> we don't really know where Nikki is, so. <laughs> but he he kind of flows in and out of the movie. But probably the funniest scene of this movie is when his girl, and when I say his girl, like the girl that he's kind of sweet on, and everything. She almost gets attacked, not in broad daylight, but on a busy night on the street, basically, where the killer is about to attack her. He pulls up. Now he jumps out the car with good intentions, but the killer who keep in mind the killer is supposed to be like a karate expert, basically. So that's why we see him training and you know keeping his body tight and everything like that. But this man runs and hits Nikki with a damn Kenny Omega knee to the face, and I'm like, 
what the hell? And I think Nikki realized, like, oh shit, you know, uh, I can't, uh, I can't compete with that. I mean, so, like, just, just what'd you think about that? Like, like that whole fight scene. The whole thing is just confusing for me because Nikki jumped out of the car with a pipe or whatever he had, a crowbar or something in his hand. And like you get taken out by the karate kid. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. But okay. No, actually, I actually skipped over a part because at the point where Nikki gets suspicious of this dude at the club, I forgot about that scene because we realized Nikki can't fight. <laughs> we realized that. <laughs> Because that scene at the club where he goes into the bathroom and he see this big dude like standing at the sink, you know, he's washing his hands. Nikki goes to the urinal and he looks over and he see that the dude has like a, a razor blade knife in his jacket pocket. So he gets suspicious of the dude, which in a sense he rightfully so had to be suspicious because everyone is kind of on edge about whoever this killer might be. And you know, the news reports are saying that the guy's cutting up these girls. So he, in a sense, he had a right to kind of be suspicious of this dude, but the way he goes about it is just ridiculous. For one, he doesn't wash his hands. <laughs> he just walks out of the bathroom, goes back, and sees that the dude is, you know, he's, you know, sitting at the uh, bar watching the girls dance on the table and everything. So they basically use the girl that he was like eyeing to lure him into the kitchen. Him and the other guy are supposed to like jump him, but this dude is like, I want to say almost like a Hulk Hogan, you know, like six five or something like that. Big dude, they could barely handle him. And I think if it, if Matt doesn't show up and starts, you know, just going crazy on this dude, this man would have beat the hell out of Nikki and, and uh, the other guy. <laughs> and it's like Nikki, you can't fight. So. <laughs> He should have thought twice for when he runs up on the killer. Yeah, you got this pipe in your hand, but shoot, this dude said, I got these, these lethal feet for you. And just <laughs> knocked his ass off. It's like, what? Like, wait a minute. It's like, it's like this movie just, uh, it just goes ridiculous. Um, And everything. And it's just like, ugh. Like, Nick, you good for nothing, basically. So, and I think, isn't that, okay, that's the last time we see Nikki, isn't it? After that whole spot on the street yeah we never see him again we don't know what happened to him yeah it's like it's like what well maybe he just said you know what this this ain't for me no more so i'm just gonna leave <laughs> you know he got with the girl and say you know we out you figure it out man <laughs> basically so and that's kind of what happens because yeah it, the movie just shifts strictly to matt and Loretta, because we we follow Loretta around, because she just down bad. She roaming the streets, and she goes to see her drug dealer, and he actually turns her away. So you know how bad you gotta be for your drug dealer to turn you away. Like <laughs> you gotta be pretty down bad. But drug is like, no, nah, I can't, I can't even sell to you no more. You know, type of thing. So he turns her away. She's yelling and fussing. She she goes off, but then she comes back, bamming on the door, you know, and everything. And then she starts backing up, and it's like, okay, the killer's gonna be behind her. The killer's gonna be behind her. And he literally shows up and he slices her in the back. And but I will say this: she might have been on drugs and everything, but she did manage to fight her way away from him because she pulled out some 
mace and everything. Maces him a little bit. She takes off trying to run, but then she falls. And it's like, she falls like, what are you, in quicksand? Why the hell you can't get up? Because <laughs> so, he was like at least 100 yards from her. And then he starts running down, the, you know, the, the street and everything to get her. And then who do we see? Damn, the vigilante himself, Matt. <laughs> he shows up. And it's like, what? It's like, so basically we get this this Rocky Five fight <laughs> with Matt and the killer in his alley. And Matt just basically blacks out. And he does to the killer the same thing he did to the dude in the ring. And he literally beats him to death. Saves Loretta. Saves the city. And Billy D. Williams shows up. It's like, son of a bitch, it ain't Matt. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Like he was it's like he was he was mad because Matt was not the killer. He was so mad. <laughs> and I mean I mean I know you know you might watch this movie for Billy D. Wee, but he's not in it a lot either. No. Um, I feel like a lot of people just said, you know what, maybe I'm gonna be doing something else because this movie is kind of <laughs> you know, they got the sense maybe like, I don't know. Maybe I need to be filming something else at the same time, just in case. I'm going to take this check, but I'll also <laughs> sign up for something else. Right. right? So, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's how the movie ends. After he beats the man to death, you know, the cops pull up. They realize he's the killer. Matt saves Loretta and credits. <laughs> so. yeah. And the killer's dead, so we still don't know why he was killing people. I mean, unless they, you know, unless they found his apartment and found his diary, because he was writing in his diary. So. His diary and his anatomy charts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of the movie. I mean, like I said, if if we sat here and went, like, scene by scene, I I don't think that would, that would be good to do. Um, I, I, I would say this, that and before we get to the biggest question of this podcast, but I will say this, that I do feel like everyone should see this movie at least once. <laughs> at least once. So, Cheryl, I'm glad that you watched it once because I, I highly doubt that you will watch it again. I won't. <laughs> and I only watched it twice because, I mean, the first time was out of curiosity. The second time, I was like, you know what? This would actually make a good bad meaning bad episode so i mean i wouldn't mind if they remade it even though they won't but i wouldn't mind if they remade it because i i think there i think there is a story there but yeah the 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 first one just kind of kind of leaves you with more questions than answers so the big question is it bad meaning bad or is it bad meaning good? I'm going to go with just bad on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I I will say this. It is a bad movie. There, there, There is no question about it. It is a bad movie. There's a reason why when you hear Tom Berenger's name, Billy D. Williams' name, Melly Griffin's name. This movie is never brought up. So I will say it is a bad movie. 
but it is an entertaining movie. It it, it has some entertainment, and it's, it's some cringy stuff in it too, and everything. So I'm actually gonna say that is bad meaning good, because I think it's so bad that it's good. Yes, so. And I'm not sure if are we the first ones to kind of go opposite directions here on this podcast. I might have to listen, go back and listen to some episodes, but I'm not sure. We might be. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Fear City, um, and everything. Like I say, everyone should at least watch it once. I would say, please watch this before you listen to this episode. I should say that at the beginning, but I, I will say that. I think you should watch this movie before you actually listen to the whole episode and everything. Um, Then you'll get a good sense of why we did not like do a whole, you know, scene by scene or like kind of go on order with the movie because the movie does kind of jump all over the place Um, and everything. But, uh, but yeah, like again, Cheryl, I want to apologize for having you watch this movie. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure <laughs> when it's your turn, or if you come over to Lucy and you're like, "Hey, Jay, you want to do this?" and it's something, I'll be like, eh, "I guess that's payback." So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Cheryl, I mean, if you would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Wild Young Charm or at my uh, podcast uh, Twitter page. It's at It's Recap Madness. All right. And for me, uh, of course, I'm on the Twitter, of course, at The J Giles on Twitter um, or my movie podcast page, which is J Movie Talk. Um. And of course, the J Movie Talk podcast is part of the TV Zone Podcast Network. That's where you find me and my episodes and the other stuff that I have going on the network um, and everything. So, yeah, that's where you can pretty much find me. And this month, I'm actually doing the Batman movies to kind of coincide with the release of the Batman. So, yeah, that's what I got going on. Um, Jeff, um, we apologize for this movie because he did. He he has watched it, <laughs> and me and him have talked about. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we blame Jeff. We just blame Jeff. That's that's it. Always Jeff's fault. <laughs> it's always Jeff's fault. So, uh, yeah. Um, that's it for this episode. Um, uh, peace. Bye.